listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before I hop into today's message, a couple things I want to just say really quickly here. I just want to give you a few words of encouragement. I want to speak to the men really quick here at Abide Church, if you call Abide Church your home. I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to get to that Man Up breakfast here in a few weeks. What's amazing is what God's done through this Man Up ministry is that we actually see more men from other churches attending Man Up breakfast than even uh, the Abide Church men attending. And so though that is fantastic, uh, our heart in it was designed for uh, the men of Abide Church to be able to come to a place and find accountability and to be challenged to grow closer to God together. And so I would encourage you, man, do whatever it takes to get there, especially with what we're talking about today in today's message. I would encourage you to uh, get there because it's a great place if you say, man, I don't have anyone to help me grow. I don't have anyone to walk with me, uh, to help me in my marriage, to hold me accountable in purity, whatever it might be. That's why we have the Man Up Breakfast. It's a time for you to get to know some guys that you can walk with and do life with. And uh, I promise you, uh, it's good food and uh, it'll bless you moving forward. Um, The other thing I want to say is this. You know, we've been in this series stand for a few weeks now. And what I've loved is I have, uh, every week so far, I've heard from people that don't attend our church but that are elsewhere uh, reaching out and letting us know how this has impacted their lives. I told you a few weeks ago of... uh, a few people from upstate New York reaching out to us this past week. I got a message from uh, one man in Kansas, another man in Illinois, both reached out and just said, hey, thank you for your message this past week. It blessed me. It was exactly what I needed. My family's going through some stuff, so thank you for, uh, thank you for, for your ministry and for preaching the word. And so I would just encourage you, you never know what just sharing the YouTube video or sharing the um, the podcast will do. You never know how far it will actually reach. And so, man, I would encourage you, man, share it with people that you think it would impact, or man, just share it on social media. It goes a lot farther than we can ever imagine. Here we go. You guys ready for today? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to be talking about, this is part number four, we're talking about uh, everyone's favorite topic, sexual purity today. Come on, somebody, all right? I'm joking, obviously, right? Uh, uh, This is one of those messages, one of those topics that's not the easiest to talk on per se, but it's uh, absolutely necessary because here's what we're seeing in, in culture, and this is what this whole series is about. How do we stand in a culture that demands that we bow? Um, we see a lot of different things as far as this. We see culture raising up idols for us to bow down to, and so sexual purity, there's several different idols that we see culture raising up that wants the church to bow down to. The first thing I'll say this um, is... We, my prayer for today, let me start by saying this. My prayer for today is freedom and for wisdom. Freedom and wisdom. Um, freedom for people that are bound in sexual purity, or, or bound in sexual perversion, rather. Wisdom for us to help people and to help people out of, um, that are caught in sexual uh, perversion. Let me, read, let me start by reading this, this, this first verse. Let me read this. First John 2, it says this. It says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
here's what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about hating people. It's saying do not love the spirit of the world. Don't love the spirit of the world. And if you do, it's got obviously some strong language in there. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. You are not unloving because you love God more than you love the world. Can I encourage you today? (laughs) You're not unloving because you love God more than you love the world. Today we're going to talk about three idols of sexual perversion that the enemy wants believers to bow to. Three idols of sexual perversion that the enemy wants believers to bow to. All of these idols are coming from or they stem from a spirit of lust that is running rampant in America right now. Um, Lust basically meaning this, having strong feelings or emotions not guided by God. In fact, let's look at a verse from the book of Job that talks, he talks about uh, lust and here's what it says. This is the perfect um, definition of it. It says this, for lust is a shameful sin. It's a crime that should be punished. Look at this. It says, it is a fire that burns all the way to hell. Man, it would wipe out everything I own. That is the perfect definition of what lust is. Uh, I've never seen a more perfect definition. It is uncontrolled, these uncontrolled uh, feelings or emotions not guided by God. And because of that, it's a fire that will burn all the way to hell. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how do we identify some of these idols that are being risen up out of this spirit of lust. How do we address them and how do we stand in opposition to them? Here's another thing that I'll say. As we look through this, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. When it comes to sexual purity, no sex outside of biblical marriage can be love. It can only be defined as lust. Let me define biblical marriage for a second. (laughs) Biblical marriage, one man, born a man, one woman, born a woman, coming together in a holy covenant between themselves and God. That's biblical marriage. That's what we see in Scripture. No sex outside of biblical marriage can be love. It can only be defined as lust biblically. And as we look at the Scriptures today, we're going to see that Job was exactly right, that it is a fire, if not controlled, it is a fire that will burn all the way to hell. So obviously, if that is true, shouldn't the church be talking about it, right? If this is something that we can address, find freedom from, and save people from hell and allow them to be introduced to our Heavenly Father and be in His presence for eternity someday, shouldn't this be something that we unashamedly talk about and say, hey, we can have freedom here. Hey, we can have life here. Hey, we can experience this the way God designed it, the way that God has it for us. But this is a principality, the principality of lust is wreaking havoc in believers' lives all across America and one way or the other. Actually, all across the world if you want to really look at it. But here's the enemy strategy, and we'll come back to this. The enemy strategy is to let these shameful desires or these shameful lusts rule and reign in our lives. And if, if they will, if we'll allow lust to rule and reign, God's hand and his favor will retract off of his people. And we're going to see it in Scripture. If we allow lust to burn without any control, without ever dealing with it, and we act upon it, God's hand will actually retract. His favor will retract off of his people. It's important that we deal with these issues. So let's talk about it. We're going to hop right into it, okay? Both feet right in. Here we go. Number one is this, pornography. The first idol that our enemy is raising up Trying to get anyone and everyone, especially believers, to bow down to is 
pornography. The average age that kids are introduced to or they first see hardcore pornography is at 11 years old. Many studies say that it's far in front of that. The other thing that I would say is this, if you have kids and your kids are on a device that's connected to the internet and they don't have any type of, you don't have any type of adult content blockers on those devices, you are acting foolish and you're being ignorant to what they are seeing on a daily basis. You need to know what your kids are watching and what they're looking at, uh, especially if they're hooked up to the internet. You need to have some safeguards in place. Um, God's desire is that not, not that our kids would be introduced to the world's version of sex before we can disciple our kids in God's version of how it's designed and made. We are being discipled always, especially when it comes to our kids. Someone or something will disciple our kids. If we don't disciple our kids, the, the world will disciple our kids in the culture of the world, which is evil. We've already talked about that. So we need to learn how to disciple our kids. One of the things, and I'm not just talking about kids with pornography today, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Pornography in an uncontrolled thought life is the gateway to all kinds of sexual perversion. It's the gateway to all kinds of sexual perversion. That's why Christ says, or God's word says what? Take every thought captive. Every thought, not some thoughts, every thought captive. That why? Jesus said it like this, Matthew 5. He says, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Thoughts must be a pretty powerful thing. Thoughts have incredible potential for good or for evil. If they are unattended, if they are uncaptured, if they are not taken captive, they can ruin what God has designed for good. He says even looking lustfully. It's a big deal. First Thessalonians says this. It says, God, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Man, isn't God's word just so good? It's just so clear, right? It's just, so what? Stay away from it. We're going to see that time and time again. Oh man. Is my mic and everything still good? Okay. Um, come on. That, see? See what happens when you stand for God, right? Come on, devil, coming at us with the electricity. Let's keep moving on. I'm gonna go quick. He ain't gonna get us. Here we go. Uh, God's will is for you to be holy. Stay away from all sexual sin. So here's what I'm gonna tell you is this. Here's what that means for us. You cannot be intimate with sexual perversion and intimate with God at the same time. You cannot be intimate with sexual perversion and intimate with God at the same time. Let's be real today. And I... Let me just be real here. Let me go. Um, This is why it's hard for many people to be intimate with God when they come to church and they worship. It's hard for them to enter in to worship. It's because they've been intimate with otherworldly things all week. This is why it's hard for people to be intimate when they gather together with other believers and intimate and engage in worship and experience God's presence. They've been intimate with other things all week. You can't be intimate with both. We serve a holy God, but his word is true. He said, you can be holy as I am holy. He's not saying I did all this to keep you at a distance. He said, no, I'm inviting you to another level of righteousness and holiness, but you got to do your part as well. You got to make sure that you're uh, doing, lifting up your part of it. First Corinthians six eighteen says this, run from sexual sin. It says no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. How, how simple is this? Run from sexual sin, right? Flee from it. 
Uh, stay away from it. God's word is continuing using the same language over and over again. Run from sexual sin. But here's the issue. This is where compromised Christianity, which is, seems to be pretty popular today, compromised Christianity will engage in sin and declare grace. Let me say this again. This is where compromised Christianity will engage in sin and declare grace. The problem is you can't claim grace when you are knowingly, willingly being intimate with the sins of the world. That's where grace becomes no longer Jesus. He is grace in what? Truth. He's saying you can't have freedom without the truth. We talked this the very first week of this series. We said if we're all grace, we will just put our stamp of approval on sin after sin after sin and just let people walk right into hell. Uh, but if I'm all truth, what? I'll say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, and I'll push them right into hell as well. That's why I gotta be on both. That's what Jesus was. It's, his word says what? He was grace and truth. Let me show you this in scripture. First John 3, 6, it says this. Anyone who continues to live in him, being God, to live in God will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know God or even understand who God is. I'm not talking about, oh man, I, I was tempted and I, I messed up. I'm talking about whenever I know God's word, but I continually, knowingly, and willingly live in sin. We're going to trip up from time to time. We live in a fallen world, okay? We're not perfect. We will walk, even though we keep our eyes on Jesus, there will be times that I get tripped up, that I fall into sin, that I let something get the better of me. But that doesn't mean that that identifies me. That doesn't mean that I stay there. That means that I get up immediately and I get back on track to following Jesus. The problem is we like to just claim grace and continue to waller in our sin. That's not what God has for us. God says what? If anyone who keeps on sinning, if I'm knowingly, willingly, he says, you don't even know the Father. Right? This isn't Pastor Dan's version of this. This is the truth of Scripture, and this is what I'll give you today. Grace and truth today, I'm going to show you both. But the truth is this. If I continue to let sin just run amok in my life and I don't ever address it, if I'm not trying to overcome it, if I'm not taking serious steps to beat it, I need to grow up a little bit spiritually. That's what this is saying. I need to grow closer to my Heavenly Father. So here's the thing. Let's, get, let's um, wrap this point up here so I can get to number two. This is it. How do I overcome pornography practically? If I'm stuck in this, if I'm uh, addicted to this, whatever, if you feel like you're trapped in this and you can't get past this, how do I overcome it? The first one is this. You need to remove the forms of temptation. These are very practical. Remove the forms of temptation. If you've got to leave your phone in your car or at work, if you've got to not have a smartphone, if you've got to get rid of some devices, if you need to get a, the TV out of your room, whatever it takes, you, if, temptation will, will come. And if you're not prepared for it, it will overtake you. But God's word says that he gives you a way of escape from temptation. But how many know we still got to do our part, right? I need to have some, some content blockers on my devices. I need to make sure that I have some accountability on my devices. Why? So that I can walk in purity. I need to do the practical so God can do the supernatural. I have to do the natural so he can do the supernatural. I need to, number two is this. I need to share my temptation with someone that I trust. I need to have an accountability partner. Not, I'm not talking about my spouse. 
If you're a man, you need to have another male in your life that's an accountability partner, that when you face temptation, that you can text, that you can call and say, hey, I need some help. Hey, I messed up. Help me get back on the right track. Help me, help me, uh, you know, point me back to God's word. You need to have somebody. If you're a female, you need to have a female. You don't need to have an accountability partner that is uh, someone of the opposite sex. That's foolish. Come on now. Um, the enemy, why do we need to do that? The enemy will keep us bound in secrecy and in isolation, the enemy will keep you bound in secrecy and in isolation. If you want to live your life there, you'll be bound your whole life. But if you want some freedom, you need to share it with somebody. Let me show you. In John, uh, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you need healing and freedom, where does it come from? I need to have community. I need to have someone I go to and say, hey, I need a little bit of help. And when we pray for that, I pray for that guy and he prays for me or you pray for that girl and she prays for you, guess what? The prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's the supernatural. See, we do the natural, which is what? I need to share my temptation. Now God can do his part, which is the supernatural. Through prayer, power comes and what? I can be set free and I can have healing in Jesus' name. So if today, if you walked in here and you have, an, you have some type of an issue with pornography, guess what? You can have freedom today. Today is not a day of condemnation. You shouldn't walk out of here saying, well, I'm not a very good Christian. No, you can walk out of here with hope. You can have freedom. You can have life and life abundantly. But it's only when we do what God's word says, not you trying to do better this week or I'm going to overcome it by myself this week. That's foolishness. The devil will keep you bound for the rest of your life. The second idol is this, adultery. The second idol of sexual perversion the enemy raises up is adultery. Now, let me go ahead and uh, get rid of a few excuses for people to check out at this point. The first one is this. The first excuse is, well, I'm not married. The second excuse is this. Well, I'm not physically cheating on my spouse. Okay, let me address the second one first. You might not be physically cheating on your spouse, but are you emotionally cheating on your, on your spouse? Is there someone in your life that's from the opposite sex that you are emotionally connecting with at a deep level that you know you shouldn't be? A lot of times in the Christian realm, this happens whenever... Somebody is in a marriage and their spouse is not as strong as them spiritually. So what do they do? They find someone, and maybe of the opposite sex, that they start leaning on for spiritual help. And that's, you just giving the devil a foothold right there. Don't do it. Even if it's, I'm trying to grow spiritually. So, but if you're a female and you're going to a male for, to grow spiritually and you guys are meeting one-on-one, it may start innocent. But I'm telling you, why even give the devil a foothold? Why even give the devil a crack in your foundation that you're going to stand on? One crack can cause a lot of destruction over time. Don't. If you're a female, man, find another female to grow with. If your spouse is, you know, is not interested in spiritual things, it's not giving up hope. It's no, find someone to, to be with, men. That's why even when we pray up here, uh, you know, we want to protect our, our ladies on our prayer team. So that's why we say, hey, pray with men, pray with men, women pray with women because we don't want... Uh, be transparent. We don't want some man coming up here dumping all of his deep, dark secrets on a female uh, prayer team saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Here's all my deep, dark secrets. Can you pray for me? No, that's inappropriate. However, you can tell a man that and we're here to help you and guide you through it. Amen? Let's have some wisdom in this. The second one is this. Well, I'm not married. Let me define adultery like this. Any sexual activities with someone who is not your spouse in biblical marriage. Biblical marriage. One man born a man, one woman born a woman in covenant together with our Heavenly Father as well. Any sexual activity with someone that is not your spouse in biblical marriage. This includes hooking up and sleeping around before you're married. You're committing adultery on your future spouse that God has for you. 
Everybody wants to sit around. I talk to a lot of young people that want to sit around. They're praying for somebody, yet they're still on, they're still on uh, all these dating apps that are hookup apps, and they're still hooking up with all these people, yet they want God to bring them the perfect spouse. No. <laughs> they don't work that way. Adultery isn't just, well, I'm not married or I'm whatever. No. Let's look at it from a deeper level scripturally. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.13. It says this, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Verse 19 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Look at this last part. You are not your own. The first thing is this, you are a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. You are a walking temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. So if I wouldn't consume, engage in, or do those things in the temple of God or in the presence of Jesus, why would I do it? Let me say it like this. Would I consume, engage, or do any of those things if I was in front of Jesus? Let's take it beyond just sexual purity, right? Would I smoke that, drink that, act this way, tell that joke, look at that in front of Jesus? Guess what? You're a walking temple. He's with you. He knows anyway. Let's gain some perspective. Second thing is this. You're not your own. Culture says, my body, my choice. God's word says, no, you're not your own. You see how culture is always contradicting to God. This is why week one we said culture has an evil agenda. It doesn't mean all culture is evil. I'm not saying that. It just means that there is influence that is going to go in opposite directions from God's word. And it's trying to get us to do a 180 and go the opposite way. But God says, look, you're not your own. Honor the Lord with your body because God cannot bless any relationship that is not honoring him. We have to honor God with our body because if he will not bless any relationship that is not honoring him. Earlier we talked about his hand will retract off of those people. We'll look at that verse in just a second. His hand will retract. His favor will retract. Doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. It just means, are you doing your part? Am I trying, striving to, keeping my eyes on him, seeking him, trying to live in sexual purity? But here's what happens. Too many young people, too many people maybe in general, but too many young people are sexually sleeping away the call of God on their lives. Too many young people are sexually sleeping away the call of God on their lives. Let's look at Matthew 5 for a second. Matthew 5, 32. He says this, Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Here's the thing, today I'm not talking about divorce, I'm not gonna get into all of this um, per se, but here's what I want you to see in these, in these verses when we read God's word. Look at how harshly Jesus speaks of divorce. Before this, he says, well you say if you want a divorce, just go and get it filed and, and you'll be divorced. But Jesus is shaking the culture saying, no, we've got to put an emphasis back on our covenant relationships. He's saying, my design for marriage is never that, that you would get divorced. And if you're in here today and you've been divorced, look, I'm not, I'm not bashing you again. I'm not talking about divorce today. I'm talking about sexual purity. I want us to see this because of this right here. Because sex is a physical, emotional, and a spiritual bond that is never meant to be broken. That's why Jesus speaks so harshly. Because sex is a, is a part of that covenant relationship with your spouse. And it's not supposed to be infiltrated by any other thing. It's you and your spouse. That's it in biblical marriage. But the enemy wants to come and say, well, it's not that big a deal. It's just a little bit of pornography. You're just flirting with that person. Or maybe you messed up here. What's the big deal? 
we got to stop this garbage. Look at what Jesus says. He's, he's taking things to a new level. He says, if you have uncontrolled thoughts towards a person of the opposite sex, of lust, you've already committed adultery. He looks, he's, he's saying harshly about, look, this bond is never meant to be broken. But this is why every time people hook up with people, have sex, mess around, whatever, and they move on, that person takes a piece of you with them. Because it's physical, it's emotional, and it's a spiritual bond. So this is the issue. So many young people are sleeping around, doing all this stuff, but with every time they come together with somebody, they're giving a piece of themselves to that person and to this person and to this person and to this person. And then they expect God, and they don't address it, they expect God to, to do something in their life or they want to step into God's calling for them, but they have all these people walking around the town with pieces of them. Here's the good news. If you've been in any of this, okay, Today is a day of freedom. The good news is this. We serve a redeeming God. If your marriage is in trouble today, God can heal. If you've, if you've faced something with adultery today, whether you're married or whether you're not married, God can restore you. God can make all things brand new. But here's what must happen. We must humble ourselves. We must ask for forgiveness and then do what Jesus said, which is what? Go and sin no more. Here's the grace. He can redeem it. The truth now is go and walk in purity. That's on me. The third thing is this. The third idol is homosexuality. You guys doing okay? It's a little quiet in here, but it gets better, okay? Hang with me here. Homosexuality. The other one that could be, we could be partnered with this is is. A part of this is the gender confusion going on in our world. This is the third thing that is attacking especially our youth and our young kids like at an unbelievable rate. It's, it's unbelievable. But the first thing I want to say is this. If you are in here, if you're listening to this, or if you're watching this at a later date, if you battle this temptation for homosexuality or maybe you know, dealt with gender confusion, the first thing you need to know is this, is that God loves you, number one. Number two, we love you at Abide Church. God loves you so much. We love you. In fact, I could say that about all the other two as well. If you've dealt with anything with adultery, with pornography, God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's the answer for you. He has hope for you. He has a plan for you. He is reaching his arms out to you. And if you will take it, if you'll lean into it, man, he can do a miraculous work in your life. God loves you and we love you. If we didn't love you, if I didn't love you as the pastor of Abide Church, I would never preach this message. I would never preach this message. Let's talk about this for a second. Culture says, well, I was born this way, or I was born wrong, right? I was born the wrong gender. God's word says, Jesus says, you must be born again. (laughs) See how it's opposite again? Culture will say, well, you're just born that way. Well, you were born the wrong gender. You were, you're, you're born gay. That's just it's whatever. And God's word says, no, you must be born again. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you cannot enter into what? The kingdom of heaven. He said, you must be born again. And the good news, it's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual rebirth. And at the deepest level of us, we can be spiritually reborn, which will impact the rest of us. It's better than a physical rebirth. Come on, somebody. It's so much better. But here's the verse I talked about earlier. We talked about how when we engage in these, these, this lustful, 
idols, when we bow down to these lustful idols, we talked about how the hand of God will retract, the favor of him will retract. Let's look at an example of this in Romans 1, starting in verse 24, it says this. It says, so God, speaking of a group of people like this, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and they served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26, this is why God abandoned them. Man, to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust. There it is again. He said what Job said, it'll burn. Lust is the thing that will burn all the way to hell. Burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And you read the rest of that passage there, it talks about how the, this life of sin, it led to only destruction and chaos. That's all it can lead to is destruction and chaos. But as a church and as, as the capital C church, I think over many years, we have made many mistakes when it comes to talking about this, is, this issue, homosexuality, many mistakes. The first one is this, we like to think and claim that it's the worst sin of all. Like, oh, you've battled with homosexuality, it's the worst of all. And I don't know if biblically that's true. Biblically, I would say that pride is the worst sin of all. And people say, well, it's an abomination, right? Well, just read Proverbs 6, okay? Proverbs 6 says that lying is an abomination, that sowing discord is an abomination. I could pull up some people's Facebook pages right now and be like, well, whoops-a-daisy, right? So before we start saying, well, your sin's an abomination, let's just get the plank out of our own eye first, amen? It's not the worst. Pride keeps you from repenting any and every sin in your life. Satan fell from heaven. Why? Pride. Pride. I will say it is interesting that the slogan of the gay community is pride. If anything, that should drastically break our hearts. Because when I let pride and I raise pride up above everything in my life, it will keep me from God. It's a dangerous thing. But the church has tried to make your sin dirtier than mine so that I feel better about myself. But here's the truth when it comes to this. Hear me. The same hell for a homosexual sinner is the same hell for a heterosexual sinner. Let me give you one better. The same mercy for a homosexual sinner is the same mercy for a heterosexual sinner. Amen? It's the same mercy. It's the same God who is bigger than anything that we can do. He said, I, my, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. It is sufficient. There's nothing that comes close. It covers everything, and it is able to cover everything if we will go to it if we will go to him. But that's where it starts, humbling ourselves. I get this question, I've got this question so many times. Well, can I be a gay Christian? Can I be a gay Christian? Let me stop by saying this. If anyone ever asked you this, this question doesn't even begin to make sense. It doesn't even begin to make sense. Do you mean, can you be a believer? Can you be a Christ follower and struggle with anything? Yes, of course. Can you be a believer? Can you be a Christ follower and struggle with something? Yes, you can. However, if we want to put anything in front of Christianity, it is no longer Christianity. If you want to put anything in front of Christianity, it is no longer Christianity. Nothing will go above Christ or in front of Christ. He's the alpha. He's first and only first. Right? 
well, I'm a gay Christian, I'm a straight Christian, I'm a, I'm a drunk Christian, I'm a cowboy Christian. Stop. Are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? Are you a believer? Great. You might struggle with some stuff from time to time. Cool. Get in community so that you can walk in freedom. If not, you're going to struggle with it the rest of your life. But what you struggle with doesn't define you. That's not your identity. Here's what we see with homosexuality. There's 30, over 31,000 scriptures and not one supports homosexuality. Six absolutely reject it. Not Jesus, not any apostle, not any hero of the faith in the New Testament or the Old Testament endorses homosexuality, so neither can we. But there are churches that do. And man, that's scary. However, you are not unloving because you love God more than you love the world. If you've battled with this, let me say this. You don't get to choose what you are tempted with. Hear me, you don't get to choose what you're tempted with. However, you do get to choose how you respond to the temptation. You do get to choose how you respond. And here's the most important thing. I just said it, but let me say it again. You are not identified by the sin that tries to entrap you. Don't let the devil lie to you and say that you are identified by the sin that tries to entrap you. God's word is the only thing that has the right to define you. You're only defined and identified by God's word. Don't let the enemy say, well, you are less than what God's word says. If you've battled with gender confusion, don't let the enemy tell you you were a mistake. You were born the wrong gender. That's not God's word. <laughs> he says he, he, mm, he puts you together in your mother's womb. It says that you are his masterpiece. He's got great things to you, for you to do, that he's planned for what? Long ago. He knew you were going to be around. You were no surprise. Even if your parents said you were a mistake, you were not a mistake. God knew. He saw you, and he's got a plan for you. Don't let the enemy define you by the sin that tries to entrap you. But here's what happens in the church. The church sees Usually, they, they isolate the homosexual community, the transgender community, and here's what happens. The church is disgusted by it, right? You go to Starbucks, and, and you, the person working the window, and, and to be transparent, you don't know, is, is it a male or you're a female? I don't know. I don't want to offend you, whatever's going on. But most Christians drive away, and they're just disgusted. Let me say this. Should we be righteously upset or righteously even disgusted with sin? Yes. With sin, so is God. God had to punish his own son for our sins. Obviously, he had to do something drastic because it is so far from him and removed from him because he is holy. But if our hearts don't break for the people that are trapped in and dealing with homosexuality or having gender confusion, if our hearts don't break for them, we have no Jesus in us. And that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. few months ago we've got a, a few months ago me and Gavin went through the drive-thru and the person working the window I, I honestly didn't know if it was a male or a female and in it my heart and God's done a work in me my heart began to break for that person but I had an opportunity to talk to my seven-year-old son about the issue and I didn't bash that person I didn't say that person's going to hell. I didn't say we're better than that person. I just asked Gavin a few questions. And here's what I taught Gavin. 
The enemy will come and he will lie to you. He will lie to you and he will tell you you're not good enough. He will lie to you and say that you're a mistake. He will lie to you and tell you that you are identified by your, by your sin, that you are an addict, that you are an alcoholic, that you are a drunk, that you are homosexual, um, that you'll never be free, that you are sick. He's gonna identify you with things that are opposite of God's word. But if you don't understand how to identify God's voice above the enemy's voice, you'll believe every lie he tells you. It should break our heart. And more importantly, we should pray. When I leave that drive through line, am I praying for that person? Or am I just disgusted and I just move on with my day? Because I'm not battling that. I'm not. That's gross. Man. We're not identified by the sin that tries to entrap us. But as a church, we can do a whole lot better to help people that are bound in sexual perversion. One of these three idols the enemy has tried to raise in people's lives, maybe multiple in their lives, and they didn't know better or they didn't have community and so they've bowed down to it. This is why the church is here, to say you can stand. And how do we stand? This is the last point I'll give you is this. We stand in grace and in truth. In grace and in truth. It's easy to post on Facebook or to make some broad statement saying whoever's going to hell because they're doing this or acting that way or they did that. <sighs> it's easy to say, well, the grace will cover it all. You'll be totally fine. But can we get some balance in our life, which is Jesus? And it's this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. This is so good. Look at this. Don't you realize <laughs> that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or are greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Man, sounds harsh. That's truth. But here's the grace, verse 11. This is, if you hear anything today, you need to hear just verse 11, mark it in your Bible and write it down. Here's what it says. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, and you were made right with God by calling on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Here's what this says. If not for the grace of God, that would be me trapped in my sin. If not for the grace of God, that would be me confused about my gender. If not for the grace of God, that would be me addicted to alcohol, addicted to pornography. If not for the grace of God. There's truth and the truth seems harsh sometimes, but truth will set you free because it opens your eyes to, man, I've got to make a change. And God's grace comes and he says, I can help you make a change. We think, oh, I, uh, the, the truth is I gotta change everything in my life and I gotta try harder. I have to be better. No, you don't. Jesus was the best. How? How do I find freedom? Call on the name of the Lord Jesus and by his power, you will be made free. Don't try harder. You'll waste your time. You'll spin your tires in the mud and you'll never get anywhere. Stop. Go to Jesus. Only, only Jesus will truly set you free. And if you struggle to live a life in sexual purity, you can have freedom today. And it's that simple. 
People say, oh, it can't be that easy. If you'll humble yourself and if you'll come to Jesus, I promise you, you can be free. Why? Because it's not your power. Holy Spirit power by the Spirit of our God, His power can do a supernatural work in you and can, what we just sang about, if you believe it, can break spiritual chains in your life. But what does it take? The last song that we just sang, I Surrender. I surrender. If you've battled bowing down to any of these idols, here's what I'm gonna leave you with is this. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. If you've been addicted to pornography, adultery, homosexuality, gender confusion, it doesn't mean God loves you. He's already proven his love by sending Jesus. He said, I've given everything because I love you that much. And the blood of Jesus is so much greater than any sin you've ever committed. But here's our job now. It's our chance to respond. And this is it, John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Too many Christians, they love an abundance of grace. But the issue is their actions prove that they don't love Jesus, their Savior, in return. I'm not saying that to beat anyone over the head. Please hear me. I'm only here to tell us the balance of God's word, and it's this. If I love Jesus, I strive to walk in purity. I strive to walk in agreement with his commandments, which is his word. I know this thing and I love this thing and I cling to this thing and I study this thing and I put feet to my faith and I walk it out. God already showed us how much he loved us by sending Jesus. Now we have the great privilege and the honor of showing him how much we love him. You know what it takes? Being close to him every day. That's what Abide Church is all about. Abiding is remaining as one with our Savior. When I remain as one with him, as a branch is in the vine, guess what I do? I produce his fruit, not mine. If I need self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, capital S, it comes from abiding in Christ. No other way can I have self-control. Any other version of self-control in my life, some self-help book, is false advertising. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. If I need to have self-control to overcome something in my life, it only comes from closeness with the Heavenly Father. There's no other way. Many times you get this question when you talk about sexual purity, where am I gonna have to deal with this temptation my whole life? What did Jesus say? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. A life of holiness is lived one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Here's the last thing, the reflection questions and action steps. This puts it all together right here. Reflection question, for, you need to ask yourself, is there an idol of sexual perversion in my life that I need to destroy? One of these three. Is there something I need to address and get some help with? Number two is this. Does my heart break truly for the people who are trapped in sexual sin? Or have I just been disgusted in trying to keep my distance from people that their sin's a little dirtier than mine? That question will, will reveal where we're at spiritually. Number three is this, how is my daily time, my daily encounter with my heavenly father? Again, you will never overcome any of these things without closeness with him every single day. The action steps is this, if you don't have an accountability partner, you need to get one. You need to get one. Why? James 5. Do you want freedom? Do you want healing? It only comes through James 5, okay? The last thing is this, pray for those who are trapped in sexual sin. 
Do I care enough to pray? Or am I just good that I'm going to heaven, they might go to hell? Do I care enough to pray? These messages are not the easiest to preach, can I tell you that? It's been a week of me diving into content. But on Wednesday night during our prayer, prayer and worship night, God gave me a word for our church that we would be a church that shines like a light. But then he took it a step further. He says, a fire that burns to purify. Abide Church will be known because we walk in purity. And the other thing he says is that we will be a, a ministry of miracles. That's what you're missing on, on prayer and worship nights on Wednesdays, okay? So God gave me those two things. So though it would be much easier to give you some rah-rah message today. Here's my rah-rah message. God loves you enough to give you an avenue to have freedom from whatever is having you in bondage today, whether it's sexual sin or some other type of sin in your life. You can have freedom today. You can live without condemnation today. You can walk in holiness today. But you gotta do your part. Humble yourself. Run to Jesus. And through his power, He can set you free. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we love you. We love your word. Thankful for you. Thank you for giving us a chance to have freedom today. Thank you for your truth that does what nothing else can do. It stands the test of time and it allows us to walk in holiness, in righteousness, and in freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.